Our scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 3. John chapter 3, we'll dive right into uh, the reading of God's word this morning. This is a fairly familiar passage to many of us. It, of course, includes one of the most well-known verses in all of the Bible, John 3.16. But the verse itself comes in the context of a conversation that Jesus is having with a man by the name of Nicodemus, who as our text tells us, is a Pharisee and a member of the Jewish ruling council. So the Jewish ruling council was made up of 70 men with the high priest, and these 70 men ruled over not just the religious life. It wasn't that they were just uh, council. They were also like the city trustees. They were like the mayor and the governor of Israel. So Nicodemus was an incredibly important person, both in terms of faith, in terms of worship, in terms of religion, but also in terms of politics and socially. And the note about him being a Pharisee tells us something about the kind of person that he was. Pharisees were members of the religious society who devoted themselves to the very specific 613 rules about God's worship. And not just about memorizing those 613 rules, but also all of the commentary that had come from those rules down through history. And so if we imagine that the book of Leviticus and Exodus and Numbers are written say, around 1400 B.C., that means there are at least a thousand plus years of commentary. A thousand plus years of a library of conversations that religious leaders are having about what rules mean. What does it mean when Moses takes down from the mountain, you shall honor the Sabbath? You shall honor your father and mother. What does that mean? And of course, there's all kinds of commentary. And so Nicodemus is someone who has not only memorized the rules, but has devoted his life to knowing not only what they mean, but also their enforcement. He's someone that we might call a stickler. And so in the cover of night, as our text will tell us, In the cover of night, Nicodemus comes to Jesus to have a conversation about truth. So let's pray and then let's read. We thank you, God, for your word. It is the truth upon which we stand. And as we read it, as we meditate on it. May your spirit be at work in our hearts and in our lives. May it open our ears to hear you speak. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher who has come from God. 
No one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Notice he doesn't say, for no one could perform the signs you do if God was not with you. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. For flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You shouldn't be surprised by anything I'm saying you must be born again, for the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you don't believe me. How then will you believe me if I speak of heavenly things? For no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. For whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. For this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. For everyone does evil, hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. A pastor colleague of mine was sharing a conversation that he had with the chair of his council. There were a number of things that were happening in their church that had caused a lot of suspicion and confusion and for lack of a better word, trouble. And so a smaller group of people had gotten together to sort of set the stage and get things ready. And then when the larger gathering of council had met, things sort of blew up. Suspicions became heightened. People went home even more uh, strained. There was greater angst. There's just a lot of energy within the body of the church. And so the chair of council called my friend and said, let's make sure we get our stories straight. 
To which my friend replied, why don't we both just tell the truth? It's a lot easier to remember. Why don't we both just tell the truth? It's a lot easier to remember. But there's something in us that's afraid of the truth. It's why we take a hundred pictures and post one. It's why when I buy a new pair of shoes, I tell you that I got them 70% off after you tell me you like them. I don't say thank you. I don't tell you where I get them. I tell you that I got them on sale. I'm not sure why. But we spin the truth. We manipulate what it is that we say. We tell stories in one context. I tell the, the staff, I work with one thing about what I'm up to. And then when we go to admin elders, I tell a different story because I want that story to be heard in a certain way. And then on Wednesday night, when we're sitting around the table for dinner, I tell a different kind of story because I want to be seen in a different way. And then when I meet with my friends who don't go to this church on Friday, I tell a different story. And by the end of it, there's four different stories that are being told. And all of them represent four different versions of who I am trying to be, none of which are true. And it's worth wondering, we don't have the time this morning to really dig into this, but it's worth asking the question of our society, of our culture. If part of our anxiety is that we are afraid of the truth and afraid of how people will respond when they learn the truth about us. And so we spend a lifetime crafting an image and crafting stories that are impossible to remember which version we are telling based on who we are with. And so it's really not surprising that a chair of council would call a friend of mine and say, let's make sure that we get our stories straight. Perhaps it's surprising that the pastor says in response, let's just tell the truth and see what happens. See, there's something in this text which hints at and which we have to sort of dig underneath to get at, but, but there's a little bit of trying to control the narrative which Jesus is confronting in this meeting with Nicodemus. As we noted, Nicodemus is one of the ruling class, and so at this point in the gospel, we're not sure whether Nicodemus is going because he wants to learn more about Jesus we learn later that Nicodemus is one of those who takes Jesus' body off the cross. But at this point of the story, we're not quite sure what Nicodemus' motives are. Or is he sent by the ruling council to try to coax Jesus into a more pliable version of what they would like him to be? We do that, right? We learn this in middle school when we send our friends with a note. Just see once how interested they are and then we'll send a real note. 
We hide behind a little bit of truth. And in some ways, that's why Nicodemus goes at night. He comes to Jesus at night and notice the things that he says. He calls Jesus a rabbi. He notes his authority as a teacher. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God. He doesn't undermine that Jesus is actually teaching the teachings of God. But he doesn't go so far as to say something like, it is evident that the authority of God himself is resting on you as you teach. So there's a couched language here. There's also a note, and I picked up on it when I read it, no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. We do this sometimes, don't we? We take a conversation that's meant to be single and we sort of put it out there in the third person, which is what Nicodemus is doing here. People who do miracles like you're doing, people who say things like you're saying, they're the kind of people that God is with. Nicodemus does not say, it's evident to me It's evident to us that God is with you. We can hear in between the lines a little bit of Nicodemus trying to put his arm around Jesus and saying, we want you to be on our team. We know we're trying to move in the same direction. And Jesus slides out from under that arm by beginning with, very truly, I tell you. Now, one of the challenges in English is that this is actually amen, amen. Now, those of us who memorized our catechism, memorized the catechism, question and answer, the very last one, that amen means, does anyone know? It is true. May this surely be. And so what Jesus is saying here in response to Nicodemus is not just may this surely be, but may this surely be and you better listen because it's true. Emphasis. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Now the word kingdom is about power. It's about authority. It's about who holds the ability to say what is real and true and who does not. And so again, we can imagine that Nicodemus sort of has his arm around Jesus and sort of hinting at, hey, let's be partners. Let's agree to disagree on a few things, but let's try not to stir up the rabble. And Jesus says, make no mistake, the truth is that the kingdom of God is evident to those who are born from above, born by the Spirit. Has nothing to do with earthly power, has nothing to do with earthly ruling status. It has nothing to do with how well you know the rules or not and put them into practice. It has nothing to do with your Sanhedrin Pharisee title. 
It has to do with the power of God at work in the world. Now, Nicodemus can't comprehend this, which is why he asks the question, which seems such a basic question, right? It's a question an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old would ask. How can someone be born when they're old? Like, that's silliness. But it's worth noting that Jesus later says, you're Israel's teacher, don't you understand? What Jesus is getting at here and what Nicodemus fails to grasp is that what God has been driving at, what God has been doing from the very beginning of time, when the Spirit of God hovered over the waters and created order out of disorder, light out of darkness, life out of a void, what God's Spirit has been doing from the beginning, and where God's power and authority is evident, That's what the entire story of God up until this point has been about. It's what the prophets have been pointing to. Behold, the Spirit of God will come in your hearts. The Spirit of God will descend upon you. The Spirit of God will come so that you will be able to know the Lord. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God. This is what God has been pointing to from the beginning. And so when Jesus says, how do you not see this? What Jesus is really saying is that you really have no idea what the first part of this means. You've been missing it all. And you're supposed to be preaching on Sunday. Because very truly, this is the truth that no one can enter the kingdom of God, no one can receive the power of God, no one can be under its rule or reign, no one can have the authority to act out the power of God unless they are born of, the, of water and of the Spirit. For the Spirit gives birth to Spirit, the wind blows where it will, and even though you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it's going, That is how the power of God, the authority of God, the truth of God works. Back to our beginning story. When someone asks, let's get our stories straight. There's an attempt or at least a desire or a recognition that sometimes the truth can go where we do not want it to go. Sometimes the truth, when it is let loose, causes a whole lot of pain. That sometimes when the wind of truth blows in, a whole lot more gets uncovered And that makes us uncomfortable. Because the reality is, the truth of it is, we, like Nicodemus and the ruling council, would like to control the narrative we are telling with our lives. But it is only the truth that can set us free. Not just the truth in the person of Jesus Christ, 
but the truth that he speaks, that he represents, and that he invites us to live in. This doesn't compute for Nicodemus. And in many ways, it shouldn't surprise us when it doesn't compute in the world that we live in either. Why would you tell the truth? Why would you not manipulate things so that you can look good, feel good, and have control of what is going to happen next? And yet the impact of Jesus on truth for us is to rest in the dual kingdom that we are identified as children of God and what truth comes out in the earthly sense will never undermine, never mess up, never make false the truth of who we are in Christ Jesus, which is what the last part of what Jesus is saying is all about. Truthfully, without a shadow of the doubt, you can believe this. The Son of Man will be lifted up so that whoever believes may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way and to this extent that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 19, this is the verdict. This is the truth of reality, that light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light. We would much prefer to be able to control the narrative, control what comes next, control what people believe about us, control what people see in us, control what we post so that people will hit like instead of not like. And Jesus invites us to tell the truth. To be people of the truth. And this is so incredibly important in a practical sense today. If you follow along with the news, you've seen all kinds of videos about airplanes flying over Ukraine. You see all kinds of posts about things that people have said or not said. Truth. And you and I as Christians, as Christ followers, as citizens of two kingdoms, are called to stand first and foremost on the truth of the kingdom of God, that we are unafraid of the truth, unafraid of what it will mean, or unafraid of what it will act, turn out to reveal about us because of who God has claimed us to be because of the fact that Jesus died for us. And in an earthly sense, as a citizen of this place, in this time, we can push for the truth, hold to the truth, speak the truth, unafraid of how others will respond, because our true grounding is in Christ Jesus. One of the fascinating things about this text, and we'll sort of end here, is to wonder what about this conversation Nicodemus leaves with? When Jesus sort of calls out the truth of Nicodemus, 
and lays in front of him. What does Nicodemus then do with that? How does he reconcile who he says he is with who Jesus is claiming he actually is? And again, it's not about getting your story straight. It's about telling the truth to ourselves, to our loved ones, to each other, to the world, and allowing the Spirit of God, the wind, to blow where it will to bring life. Let's pray. Lord God, we confess that sometimes, like Nicodemus, we would prefer to manipulate or spin truth. We'd like to put a coat on it and maybe color it a little differently. We do that in our conversations. We do that in how we present ourselves. And yet you call us into truth the truth of the kingdom of God. That we are beloved children of the King. That we have been saved by our Redeemer, Savior, Jesus Christ, and we have been filled with the Holy Spirit who is leading and guiding our steps. That we have been born again by your Spirit. But we need your help to know how to speak truth well. Because to speak truth does not mean to simply spout out or spout off. To speak truth also means to do so in the manner of our Savior Jesus, with grace, with clarity, in a way that can be heard so that light can reveal what is dark and that evil can be overcome. So God, give us humble hearts to be people of truth who claim the name of the truth, our Savior Jesus, the truth of his word and the truth of his spirit in our lives.